We talk a lot about the hostages. There are several hundred uh, American citizens that are currently in Gaza. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To the point made by Sammy there, what is the disconnect right now? When will they be allowed out? I wish I could tell you, uh, date certain, time certain. We want to get them out. We want to make sure that they have safe pa passage out. And we are working very, very hard, both with the Israelis and with the Egyptians, to get to that outcome. Right now, of course, you've seen some humanitarian assistance flow in. But we have not forgotten the plight uh, of those hundreds of Americans that are on the other side of that Rafa crossing. We know they want to get home and get out. And we want to help them get out. And we are working on that very, very hard. You've been working on that very, very hard for several days now. They have oftentimes gotten messages yeah. about specific ways windows when they could leave that fell apart. Is there any sense that working will end up with an outcome soon? Uh, that's, that's what we're working towards, Phil. I, I wish I could tell you for sure, but, but this is hard stuff. Don't you think President Biden need to play a role towards peace instead of saying that he could handle two wars at a time? Does that give a good impression to fight two wars at a time instead of working towards peaceful things? From the beginning of this administration, we have been working for a more integrated, cooperative, peaceful, stable, and prosperous Middle East. And I'm not going to reiterate for you the list of accomplishments, but they're all there. I'm happy to send you an email with them. We have been working hard on trying to get uh, uh, the Middle East to be a more stable, prosperous region. That's not going to change. Italy is the first nation to say no to synthetic food, to so-called synthetic meat. It does so with a formal and official act. The resolutions called for a commitment to ban the production, marketing and import of synthetic foods within our territory. These regulations aim to regulate situations where the environment or public health could be at risk or when there is uncertainty regarding the effects of certain products that are being or will be introduced to the market or consumed. It is crucial to have measures in place to address these potential risks and ensure the safety of the environment and public health in such cases. You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? <laughs> you exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. And welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 154 here on Tuesday, the 24th of the month of October. And I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. Uh, and I'm Mike McKenna running for Speaker of the House. Well, congratulations. You're a little bit behind. I don't that, think so. Race. I don't think so. What have we had? Three guys lose already? <laughs> All right. So I I want to know whether or not you are aware of the fact that you exist in the context of all in which you live and that came before you. You, you? exist in that context. I myself fell out of a <laughs> coconut tree. Which context do you live in? I fell out of a coconut tree. Look, I spend most of my adult life trying to be unhindered, unburdened by what, what has, has been. been. Yeah. I mean, like, for instance, so for instance, that doesn't really track with being born. I'm going to forget falling out of the coconut. I'm going to forget that the vice president said all that stuff as soon as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be unburdened uh, by whatever it is she's trying to say. Well, uh, of course. Mr. Kirby, we're working on it. Is really 
pulling out all the rosy scenarios about how they're building a stable and more prosperous Middle East every single day. My favorite part of that was I can send you the list. Like you can't name me off just like the three biggies. Give me the three biggies there, John. I'm like I'll send you, I'll email you a list. They said it's the greatest millennial response ever. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about, let's do it now. And Okay. Move to, I, I didn't bring this up last week. Uh, and they don't they cannot they cannot account for ten Americans, of which they cannot confirm whether they're dead or hot or legit like sitting in the tunnel hostages. Yeah. There are hundreds of other Americans somewhere in Gaza. Hundreds is is, is what the number what they what they said what the number was. Yep. Lots of tourists that time of year. How, how is this not a a hostage crisis? How is this not like the sole focus of the of the, the United States objective here is to get these Americans home? It, or is it? Because they're not. No one's covering it like that. Let me put a different thought in your head. Uh, you want a different thought? I, I'll take any thought you give me. I'm just concerned. Like these are American we, citizens who are acting as shields for Hamas. There you go. Like that thought. Because everybody had plenty of warning to get out. Everybody had plenty of warning to get out. Everybody had 48 hours to get out. Oh, no, no, no. It's, you know, even some of Biden's people are saying, you know, it's 100% Hamas who's keeping people from leaving Gaza. I guess what I'm saying is, I'm, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying to you is. Are we in I, agreement in some fashion? I don't, let, me, let, me, let me try it a different way and see okay. if you agree with me. What I, what I think is, I think it's entirely possible, very possible that the American citizens there in Gaza intend to be there. They are intentionally staying there because they know that the Israelis will not go on a wild killing spree as long as they're there. Oh, interesting. Yes. That essentially these American citizens have picked sides and it's not the Israeli side, which is cool. I'm totally comfortable with that. So you think the that. ones that are visiting are – the hundreds of that are visiting are pro – Hamas. I, I, I can't. I, I, you, there are only two possible. That seems like a really tall order. Like, I'd be scared as Why? out of my mind. Why? There's a couple hundred in the United States Congress, for God's sake. Why does that surprise you? No, no. I'm talking about like if I was in the middle of all that stuff. Even if I was like some activist type, I'd be like, all right, let me get out. I need to get out of here. This is, this is killing me. Like, my nerves are shot. Well, yeah, Tom, you're an old man. You're not a 24-year-old radical. We have no idea who these okay. people might be, right? Well, okay, fair enough. But so so I'm, I, let's put it this way. Anytime you have a situation where you have hundreds, quote, put that in quotes, right, hundreds of hostages, I always wonder, like, how does anybody really hold hundreds of hostages? How does that happen? What's the logistics behind that? How do you feed them? Even just something simple like that. It makes you wonder whether they're really hostages is what I'm saying. That's all. That is uh, an interesting take on that. I would not have gone in that direction. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm right. I'm not sure I'm wrong. Yeah. All I'm saying is, is that um, it wouldn't be the first time American citizens have been on the wrong side of, of American firepower, right? I, and I'm not even just talking about in our lifetimes. Think about World War II, right? Plenty of American citizens repatriated to Germany to fight for the right. Sure. Okay. And then you got those plenty. American Taliban. You got some examples plenty. here and there. Plenty. Right? But I guess and, and the reason why I mentioned it this way is because if you think that's what's going on, 
you shouldn't hesitate anymore. You should treat them as enemy combatants and just proceed accordingly. Well, I mean, or, or they are, the, or the the government isn't telling us everything that they know, which would be a shocker. Well, here's right the, because everyone's like, why is this thing being delayed? And again, you know, Biden has these moments where he's like, oh, because we, you know, we don't want a ceasefire. No, no, we don't want a ceasefire. Here's right. Yeah, here's the other thing that here's the other thing that concerns me. Right. Whenever the government can count something but can't tell you who or what the something is, I'm deeply suspicious. Yeah. Like, and I'll give you a specific example. United States Justice Department puts out a report every year about how many illegal immigrants there are in the country or how many immigrants are in the country illegally or however, whatever the nice way to say that is nowadays, right? And they always have a really precise number. 12 and a half million, 12.3 million, 14, you know, 14.7 million. It's always a number like that, right? It's never like somewhere between 10 and 25 million, right? They always have some precision to it. Yeah. And I, and I have asked Justice Department officials, um, I started asking this question in the Bush administration every time I get a chance, I ask it now, right? Um, where are they? If you can count them, you must have some idea where the hell they are. No, Let's go get them. Spread them out. Let's go get them and we'll send them home. So when I hear there's hundreds of American hostages, I'm like, oh, okay, where are they? Let's go get them. Let's get it. You know, yeah. but, but I guarantee you if some if some reporter asked that to John Kirby, he'd be like, Oh, well, well no, he said uh, we can't talk about we any can't talk about that because that you know that would that would that would blah, 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 blah. compromise our efforts to compromise our efforts to harumph harumph harumph. Yeah, this is a really this is, sorry. This is a, a sticky wicket. Yeah, not made any less sticky by the fact that the administration is. They're doing their best to make it a more stable and prosperous Middle East, so, and they're working every day at it. They're working every by day by dismantling what, by almost all measures. Would be would have been a, a significant progress towards a stable and more prosperous Middle, Middle East. East. Yeah, and the other thing the, is, we're here on we're here on what week number two of this thing. Again, no reporter has has asked yet. Why are you guys so in love with the Iranians? Yeah. What the hell's going on with that? I Italy. Thank God, Italy saving us from synthetic food. You you knew it had to be Italy, right? <laughs> It had to I, be our I didn't know it had Italy. to be Italy, but when it when, it had to be Italy. Come when, on, when, when they the announced best food in the world is when, Italian. When food. I was listening Period, to it, end of story. When I was listening to it, I was like, yes, that makes a certain amount of sense. Better than the Coney dogs, and better than the Detroit dogs and the Detroit pizza over there, producer. So what? How the lines? Um, do this? How the lines announcements. Do Yo, congratulations to the Texas Rangers. Yes, for winning the American League Championship Series. Not because we care about the I Rangers. I care about the Rangers, but because they beat the Astros in Game Seven. All right, thinking Americans should despise the Astros and their fans. That's just a fact. Uh, and also, I understand that Dusty Baker uh, is calling it quits now. He's going to retire after a, an illustrious career, of which his only one bad decision was to make the, decide to be the manager of the Houston Astro Houston Astros. So. Yeah, I'm glad he finally won that World Series as a manager, right? Although he won one as a player, so I'm not sure what yeah. the big deal is. And then I want to also go, since we're on baseball, I want to congratulate Brian Cashman. For? For saying that Jordan Montgomery wasn't playoff material. <laughs> 
three and zero with a two point one six ERA with a one point two eight WHIP and a seventeen to four strike to walk to walk ratio in the playoffs so far. If, Jordan Montgomery. If you have to say this, if you have to say anything about it, you got to be honest. Ex Yankees have been having just great playoffs. Yeah, him, Evaldi. I mean, it's been. I mean, even old Aaron Hicks hit a hit a dinger, yeah, but yeah. you know, Boston, uh, Baltimore couldn't win a game. I mean, it's but. ridiculous. Like I said, the former Yankees. They had a heck of a postseason. Heck of a run. Well done, Yankees. Uh, any announcements for you? I can't think of one. I get this feeling I should have one. Oh, but... I also, Terry, wish Terry happy birthday, our, our office manager extraordinaire. Really? Happy birthday, Terry Posey. She doesn't okay. listen. But... Okay. All right. This day in history, it's a new one. It's one we haven't had before. In 1861, and it has... October twenty fourth. It's a little bit to do with the with the Civil War. Yeah, but. the first battle of Manassas. No. Okay. The first transcontinental telegram. Oh, San Francisco was sent via telegraph from Washington to San Francisco. Yeah, man. Here's a trivia. Western Union Telegraph Company. Western Union. Da, 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 Link the Eastern and Western Telegraph networks of the nation at Here, Salt Lake City, Utah. Here's a question. This is a question for you. Yeah. Where since since the telegram essentially the telegraph essentially destroyed the Pony Express. Yes. What was the terminal point of the Pony Express? Mm. What in what building, in what current building did the Pony Express have its terminal point in San Francisco? I don't I don't know. The Transamerica building. I, the pyramid. I was gonna say the pyramid, yeah. but it felt too obvious. To yeah, me. no, it, it which is why when I when Because that's a that's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, inside that building's that old? No, no, no. Inside the train, inside the the pyramid, there's a there's a plaque that okay. said, "Hey, man, the Pony Express okay. terminated here, like right here." I was gonna say that, but then I thought that's just and too I, easy. When I first ran across it, I was like, "That is wild, man." So the link to the Civil War, of course, is is that that Lincoln relied on the telegraph to you know getting all this all the informations and what have you. So. Uh, okay. okay, in 1901, this happened in 1901. Not a single blessing. Okay, clue. this this on this day in 1901, the first of many idiots went over the Niagara Falls. Oh. in a barrel. Did he or she survive? <laughs> in this case, it was a 63 year old school teacher named Annie Edison Edson Taylor whose husband died in the Civil War, and she just kind of wandered around and was broke and read about this cool new tourist spot up in the Buffaloes area called Niagara Falls and said she thought she could make some cash by doing the whole jump over the falls in a barrel thing. Did the she only s- thing she ended up creating was a bunch of idiot copycats who I think there was a total of... Between 1901 and 1995, 15 people went over the falls in a barrel. How many survived? Ten. Ten survived? And five died. That's not a bad ratio. I would have guessed like more <laughs> like 12 died. All right. In 1945, this was a sad day in history. 1945, George S. Patton dies. No. The United Nations was established. Yeah. The charter for the UN established at the end of the war to maintain at the end of World War II to maintain world peace, yeah, I have, entered into force on this day. I, I have to be honest with you. As a native New Yorker, the UN was like one of the worst things that ever happened to that city. 
It totally screwed up traffic on the east side and has forever. It's a god-awful looking monstrosity. It, it's a, just a terrible, 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 terrible. Yeah. It, 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 the whole thing needs to be leveled, and we need to send them someplace like someplace else in we America. We need to stop paying dues. That's I'm mean, okay to. paying dues, but let's send them to Kansas City or some other. Yeah, let's do a roaming UN, right? Some other loser around. place that doesn't okay, have one traffic. One more, just a little kitschy deal. You know what? We should send them to Detroit. Yeah. Show them the very best of America. <laughs> Detroit rocks. 2003, on this day, the the last and final supersonic passenger service to, ended to, as British Airways flew its last Concorde to where? across the pond. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who went on it. He said it was pretty cool. It was like a like a thing, like you know, well, it's like a Richie Richie deal. It, it, and that's what he said. He said he's you know, guys so fancy, guy, everyone's in suits. Guy loves it. Guy loves aviation, so he's like he blew a bunch of money. He's like it was an obscene amount of money. But the the thing he remembers, I mean, he remembers the flight, but he, he also remembers in the waiting, um, the waiting area in New York. Um, he said, I just looked over. It's like there were the Rolling Stones. Oh, nice. They were just, nobody was talking to them because, you know, they were just like, everybody else was yeah, rich and yeah, important. Right, right. I just looked bother down. people, right? Yeah, exactly. I was like, yeah, that must have been fun. That reminds me one time I was in a lounge in L.A. and Malcolm McDowell, who's like super old now, right? You Sup- know. Super old. Yeah, he's like 60. No, he's older than <laughs> Go 60. Go ahead. Anyway, he's all dressed kind of like in cargo pants and a t-shirt and he was drinking coffee out of like a, a paper cup. He was perfectly fine. He was happy in the lounge, right? Yeah. And these two dudes walk over to him and they're like, <clears throat> "Oh boy, excuse me, Mr. McDowell. I'm I'm terribly sorry. We uh, we missed you coming into the to the, you know, yeah. lounge area." And he's like, "Oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine." He's like, "No, no, no. You understand. We can we have a another area we could a better like, lounge." Like to, I'm like, a lounge "I'm looking a lounge. at this whole thing and I'm like, "Well, what's my name? Skip." <laughs> So apparently they got like a super secret lounge for all the Hollywood types. Did you? Did you? I had no idea. You should have just said, look, I'm his cousin. Yeah. So he didn't really want to go, but they like almost kind of forced him. So that was my. We can't have you down here with the people. Right. (laughs) All right. uh, I got the first article I have uh, in honor of uh, our our upcoming holiday. This is from your friends at the Washington Times. Yay. Uh, Spookflation. Oh, boy. Holiday ghosts and ghouls will feel the bite. That Really? Of rising prices for candy and chocolate this <sighs> Halloween. Boy. Okay, who wrote the story? Sean Salai. Huh? S-A-L-A-I. I don't know him or her. Okay. Go ahead. The average national price for candy and gum is up 13% this month from October 22, according to Data Index, which tracks weekly changes to more than 150,000 stores nationwide by comparison, overall groceries increased by 6.2%. Uh, thanks to inflation, Halloween is becoming a trick for Americans with wallets, said Michael Austin, a former uh, aide to two Kansas governors and a scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. Sugar is up 10%. Uh, let's see. Airheads are up 26%. What? Baby Ruth's are up 14. That was my favorite. Candy corn, man, 13%. Candy corn's great. K-Days are up 12%. Yeah, my favorite. Jolly Ranchers, 11. Junior Mints, 10. Starburst, 10. And the list goes on and on and on. Junior Mints? Junior Mints. They're very refreshing. So, uh, once again, 
Bidenflation's taking a bite out of our wallets, ladies and gentlemen. Bidenomics. Oh, yeah, Bidenomics. Bidenomics. Bidenflation. Going to work for you eventually. Just stick with him. Uh, Let's see. Let's stick with the bot. Let's stick with Bidenomics. This is from Politico Pro, Mike. Yes, I don't get Politico Pro. I'm not important. Dems urge White House to reconsider Bidenomics as it lands flat with voters. (laughs) (laughs) What? Are you sure? President Joe Biden placed a big bet that he could sell an improving economy under the banner of Bidenomics. Three months later, some allied Democrats fear he's made a serious misstep. Several top Biden aides have privately raised concerns about the phrase to the White House, according to two people familiar with the back-channeling. And Rep. Stephen Horsford, who chairs the Congressional Black Caucus, said in an interview that this week that he's warned the White House that the Bidenomics brand is built on shaky ground. He believes it advances a message that wrongly centers the conversation on the president and his electoral ambitions rather than the voters who stand to gain from the administration's accomplishments. With all due respect to the president, to the White House, this is not much about them as it is the people who are benefiting by the policies that they came out to and demanded. Demanded. We have to do a better job framing this, not so much for one person, but for the people. Uh, once again, Mike, it's not the policies. It's just that the Democrats. We have to do a better job framing they it. Don't know how to communicate. To frame it better. Amazing, incredible. What's candy corn going up again? Success. What's candy corn going up again? For the American people. It, they just. It's just. It's just that we're not communicating as. Here's what they need to frame it as: You people don't need candy corn. You're fat enough. We're, we're raising the prices of it, so we're actually doing something good for you. <laughs> You know, I'm a little concerned that this conversation is centered on uh, <sighs> on just one guy, you know, the president. It should be centered on other people like Steve Horsford from Congress. Yeah. <laughs> so and I told course, him. I told him. Go ahead. It dovetails with a recent survey. Uh, voters in top seven swing states are rejecting the Bidenomics message. That's central to President yeah, Biden's blo- re-election, according Bloomberg. to Bloomberg yeah. News and Morning Consult. The poll, which surveyed 5,023 yet again registered not likely voters. This is 700. Look, Morning Consult does terrible work. Oh, I don't know how to say that. Wow. Nice. They do. They do terrible work. Questions are boring. Their methodology is like always over-prepared in some areas and under-prepared in others. Anyway, but the survey itself is actually like telling interesting yeah uh 51 percent of these swing state voters said the national economy was better off under president trump and overall just 26 voters in the poll said bidenomics has been good for the economy while 49 percent disapprove and uh trump is taking a 47 to 43 lead in this yeah. crucial seven state poll yeah that 26 percent who said everything's cool those guys are recipients of chips or the Inflation Reduction Act or the American Rescue Plan or, uh, or one of these other subsidy. One of these other rackets. Sorry. Right. Does, that sound, does that sound too cynical? All right, the quest for the gavel. Yeah, man. Who cares? I literally this it's, is like this is like I keep We started writing. before 
And before our last, after our last episode, we started before the Pony Express got going into San Francisco. It was nine candidates. It's been whittled down to one, Tom Emmer. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I suspect the same thing's going to happen that happened to the other three. He's probably not going to get two seventeen. But there's an interesting twist. Some of the Democrats are saying they're going to vote present. We'll see if that happens because it could change the outcome of the of the vote and. There's a little bit of sympathy on the left for Tom Emmer versus some of the other folks that were running. Yeah, if the Democrats are going to vote for Tom Emmer and a vote president is a vote for Tom Emmer, um, they're going. They're doing it because they recognize he's probably the weakest candidate we're going to send up to the, see them, right? Because if they were going to do this, they should have done it with Jim Jordan, who, of course, would be unable to raise money. Yeah. Um, which is what you actually pay a speaker for, not really all that other who. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. But I, again, I think they made a mistake. They should have just picked by lottery a consensus candidate, and they should have rallied around that candidate. There is no consensus right? candidate. They, you, 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 it, here's, I'm going to say this yet again. There's only two ways to do this, kids. Um, either pick by lottery, so everyone has to eat whatever the yeah. whatever whatever well, the gods of crapshoot, whatever Holy the gods of. So what? Who cares? Woo! Like it could be worse than the names we're getting, um, or, or, and this is what this is probably how this thing's likely going to end. Um, either give McHenry more money, yeah, give him more authority, or give, um, or pick a moderate who's Trumpy. Yeah, we 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 we, 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 so we just, several I'm times. So, so I'm, I'm like, so bored with this. So Mike phone. Johnson was number two. We, we talked about him. A couple Actually, of weeks I give you ago. full credit because I like yeah. a week ago I was like, who? Uh, and the 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 thing I have the, the thing I'll say is I'll, I'll repeat what I said before is if you're going to pick Emory, you should have picked Scalise. So I don't know that he's going to get it, but you know what? It doesn't really matter anymore because the winner in my book was Mike Collins. Yes. No doubt. From Georgia's 10th district. A fun guy, too, by the way. Mike Collins is the big winner in this whole speaker race. And let me give you his platform. Please do. I don't understand why he did not win unanimously. He's just, he, the acclamation it, is the word. House right must work longer hours than the UAW. There we go. All 12 appropriation bills must be passed out of committee before the August recess or no recess. Do your work or don't go. Carmine's for dinner at every conference. I wouldn't have picked Carmine's, but uh, I take I his point. I take his point. Else. Better than pizza. Term limits. Mm. Yes. Wider parking spaces to fit up to 18 <laughs> wheels. No omnibuses, minibuses, or short buses. <laughs> no money to Ukraine until southern border is secure. Sure. A chicken in every pot. <laughs> No secret side deals. And lastly, and most importantly, most importantly, no more having to listen to Frank Luntz at retreats. <laughs> it is right here. It's his platform. All right. All right. So, so yeah. Um, Kudos to you, I was gonna say, Congressman. Uh, you have my vote. So Mike Collins, right? I, 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 <laughs> I've been friends with that office for a long, oh, so for a good. long time. He, he toyed with running in the primary in uh, for the Senate race in Georgia. Um, and he decided against it. And I thought when, when he decided against it, I was like, that's a shame. Cause, cause at least he has some kind of sense of whimsy. Right. So anyway, that was his platform. I don't understand why he didn't win. Acclamation. I'm telling you, I just, just, that was, 
That was the best. Made my motion in the, the caucus. I'm like, forget listening to everybody else. Let's best. just let's get Collins by acclamation. So um, apparently there are some Western Democrats who are upset with Commissioner um, Willie Phillips at the FERC. There are no such things as Western Democrats. You mean Pacific Democrats. Okay, yeah, West Coast Democrats. Okay, I'm let's, sorry, let's I should get be it more right. specific. Let's get it right. Uh, I mean, pretty soon you start thinking Dan Newhouse is a Western. West Coast pipeline approval. Let them freeze, said Washington's governor for life and perennial presidential wannabe Jay Inslee. This is about our urgent, much greater need to cut global greenhouse gases by 0.1%. No, just I'm just messing around. Um, so so the um, FERC approved. Do you want to set this up? No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not sure where you're going. The FERC approved. What was the name of the pipeline? Did it, did it have a name? The the Northwest Express yeah, the, Project. Yeah, the Northwest Express. Yeah. Um, and it would allow Idaho, Washington, and Oregon to import 150 million cubic feet of extra natural gas per day. Yeah, who wrote that? I, I, I when read... the Northwest states are scrambling to meet their climate targets. Yeah, see that whole that whole sentence there. It allows them to yeah. import. I mean, yeah. that that's not what it does. A pipeline moves gas from one place to another. You're allowed to take some off if you want it. Right. It's ultimately a destination point. Yeah. The strongest rebuke came from Jeff Merkley, Senator Merkley from Oregon, who criticized the commission as a completely captured agency. True. And one huge rubber stamp. Yes, absolutely. For what? Did he say for what? For for who? For the gas fossil fuel. It's a rubber stamp for everything I want, so I'm in favor of that. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, thank you, America. You're welcome. And then and then um You know what I mean by that. I do. I do. And then uh and then Senator Merkley got on a plane and went back yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just we, inconsistent we, with what the West Coast is doing. To try to develop a clean energy economy, Governor Inslee said in an interview, it strikes right at the heart of our West Coast plans. You know, I hate to say this, but there must be customers for this out in the, out in the Pacific Northwest. Otherwise, they wouldn't be building a pipeline. In, uh, let's see, if... Let's see. Merkley went a step further and signaled he would drive the conversation in Congress to overhaul FERC, adding that the agency needs to be scrapped and start over. Agreed. What does he have in mind? So, anyway, uh, so it, that what? got me. That got me thinking about. And this article popped uh, this morning. Yes. Play the clip for me, producer. Have I hurt you? Don't be silly. Acting. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Acting. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so this was from RTO Insider this oh, morning. Boy. Why do you read that nonsense? Well, because we're in it. Phillips addresses acting status as oh, good. Kirk awaits nominees. Who wrote this? James Downing. I don't know him. Go ahead. What's in a name? That was the question FERC chair or quote unquote acting chair. Willie Phillips was asked at his press conference after the commission's open meeting on October 19th. Yeah. The very meeting where he approved that evil, awful pipeline. Yeah. The FERC press release announcing Phillips' elevation in January called him acting chair, but that has no legal definition under the commission's governing statute. And the acting caveat was missing from the order President Joe Biden signed appointing Phillips. Here's the quote. Let me be clear. I work at the pleasure and I serve at the pleasure of the president. 
Phillips said in a response to a question about the discrepancy. And I'm honored to serve. On January 3rd, 2023, I was named the chairman and leader of this agency. Nothing has changed. Yeah. Unquote. Yeah. So. Good. I'm glad. I would point out, by the way, that as recently as this morning, though, the bio, his bio on the website still had him listed as acting. Yeah. So, so, um, so Mary or Richard or whoever over there is Ollie. responsible, whoever over there is responsible for changing that bio, um, probably wants to, and, and, and making that website like accurate. They don't want to upset Ali Azaidi. They probably want to get White on House, it. Right. Because that's. At least the speculation is, is that that's who's driving this acting business. I have no idea so. about that. The reporters know they could tell us, but they're not gonna. Okay, so um, you brought this up, and I and, and I uh, neglected to um, throw it up last week. This is from the Energy Institute at the Haas School of Business. Yep, Cal at, Berkeley at UC Berkeley. Yep. Political ideology and U.S. electric vehicle adoption. Uh-huh. The prospect for EVs. Do you want me to set this one up? As a climate change Do you want me to set this one up? On their wide, let me just finish reading this. Go ahead. Hinges on their widespread adoption across the political spectrum. Okay. I don't necessarily agree with that, but. It does. It go. absolutely does. That's why it I wanted to set it up. It depends on their widespread adoption across Consumer. No, like, that's like, what that's why I wanted to set it up okay, because 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 I have been I have been thinking for a number of years that this is going to devolve into a shirts and skins <laughs> exercise, and I'll be a son of a if these guys we, out at Cal Berkeley didn't basically just do my research for of me. Of course, they're great guys, by the way. Great research. I mean, they're all communists, but they do great research. Go ahead. In this paper, we. De- we use detailed county level data on new vehicle registrations from 21 22 to measure the degree in which EV adoption is concentrated in the most left leaning US countries and how this has changed over time. The results point to a strong and enduring correlation between political ideology and US EV adoption. During our time period, about half of all the EVs went to the 10% most Democratic counties, and about a third went to the top 5%. So you did the back of the envelope uh, and you surmised that somehow the automakers are going to have to sell 67% of all the cars they make to about 40% of the American public. It's a lot of extra cars in in the driveway. I I just don't. I I guarantee you the, the 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 marketing the guy the strategy marketing guys in the in the in the big three Toyota and Honda too are probably just like what the hell are we supposed to do with that we have to basically to sell these things to Red America you're gonna have to give them away you have to give them away well, yeah. nobody's gonna want them you're just gonna like hey, here just take it just drive it off the lot yeah and now now that like it's become like a Trump versus Biden thing of course and you know and I knew and I'll tell you what We're putting me, the report in the in the show I notes. totally I agree with you that they do good work. You should, they they do great work. Every once in a while, it's like really spectacular. This is one of those moments. I I would say this. The guy who sunk everybody was President Biden when he went to see that Rivian truck thing. I think that was like a moment. It was like a year and a half ago. I don't know if that was the moment, but- I think, uh, it, I think it was. I think everybody who drives a truck in America is like, okay, so I know what I'm not buying next time. You know, Rivian, the truck for people who don't buy trucks. 
Yeah. I told you anecdotally, I talked to someone who has a Rivian and they were like, I can't wait. I, I can't stand this car. It's terrible. I can't, I don't know. It's like he's stuck with, it's like a, he's stuck with a bad marriage. Just tell Bill Coates to like turn it back It wasn't in. Bill. It was someone else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, You're welcome. What do we, where do we want to go here? Uh, I don't know. Let's stick with the with the cars and the batteries and the save our save our cars and yeah. This is from Bloomberg. Uh, Detroit and Korea's twenty eight billion battery bets risk going sideways. Detroit back in the news again. Who wrote producer? it? Producer Heejin Kim. Oh. Okay. Weeks of tense bargaining around Detroit are making battery manufacturers some 6,600 miles away very nervous. They should be. LK Energy Solution, SKON, and Samsung SDI have p- planned out about $28 billion worth of investment, along with GM, Ford, and Stellantis. In U.S. electric vehicle battery factories, they'll run as JVs, joint ventures. These plants are major sticking points in contract negotiations between the three automobile uh, makers and the United Auto Workers, which wants to unionize about 19,600 people the companies plan to hire. Yeah. The cost of running these plants in the U.S. is already about twice the cost of other regions, Kim, uh, the CEO of one of the companies, said. The, The atmosphere of the industry is not good these days. Battery prices are falling and inventories rising due to weaker than expected demand for evs the article goes on to say that's sad the nutshell is is that with all the subsidies and the giveaways and the goodies in the inflation reduction slash Mm -hmm. investment and all that uh it's a bad combination because of the cost going down the labor going up and the quote is at the end is we were too optimistic about the IRA just thinking about the credits only yeah man they should consider slowing down the pace of aggressive investments in the US yeah here's the problem with the korean battery makers <clears throat> and it's not that they're not getting their credits on time or getting them too early or getting them too late problem is is it's starting to look like they're just pass throughs from the chinese and eventually the United States. You mean States, like the shrimp we get from Taiwan? Yeah. Eventually the eventually the Americans are going to have to deal with that, right? The same way they dealt with the um, circumvention on the solar panel side, right? We're getting circumvention on the battery side. I'm looking forward to Treasury giving us a, a definition of what a foreign entity of concern is, right? That language in the bill, right? That wasn't defined. Yeah, they talked about that. It, it You know, we're... These guys are an enormous risk. The next time a Republican shows up in the White House, this stuff's all going to get rewritten. This guidance all get it rewritten. It's the way they're going to strangle the well, tax we hope, credits. We don't know. For, you can't say for sure, but that's the goal. Like, yes. If we do our jobs, yeah, there's no, that's what will happen. Let's put it this way. There's no way a Republican's going to be able to not do it. How about if I say <clears> it that way? Whatever their personal preferences might be, it's how, you, it's how you're going to wind up choking off these tax credits quickly. Yeah. And also, how you're going to prevent the Chinese from circumventing the pur- their clear purpose? This is, of course, my weekly reminder to next time you see him or have an opportunity to communicate with him. Thanks, Senator Joe Manchin, for leaving us in this ditch. That's all. All right, I got another one. This is from uh, also this is I don't know from E and E News, which is a 
Yes. Basically Politico. Yes. New York climate goals in jeopardy. Yeah. As renewable projects falter. Yeah. When New York enacted their landmark climate law in 2019, it was hailed as a model for how to cut planet warming pollution. Let the record show none of us hailed it. No. Go ahead. It was hailed, though. It, it was, was hailed. It, it was, was hailed. hailed. <laughs> but four years later, the state is at serious risk. Serious risk. Of missing its near-term clean energy and climate targets. Emissions have rebounded. To pre-pandemic levels, driven in part by a resurgence of power plant pollution. Driven Say that three times. Driven fast. in part by people like wanting to go places and <laughs> use electricity. At least a quarter of planned renewable projects in the state are threatened by inflation and rising interest threatened. rates. Threatened. Threatened. And some environmentalists are questioning Governor Kathy Hochul's commitment to the state's climate goals. Yeah. Me After too. she vetoed a bill that would enable an offshore wind project to connect. To New York's power grid on Long Island. And we know why she vetoed it. We understand now why she vetoed it. She vetoed it because they have a side deal with the Loan Guarantee Program Office here in D.C. to cover all their costs yes, with respect to offshore wind. And basically subsidize it. So, so basically. The, the taxpayers as opposed exactly, to the ratepayers. Exactly. So, so, so old, old Governor Buffalo there. She she <laughs> she did the right thing. She she did the right thing politically. Well, she, she distanced herself from this thing while still letting it get built. I'm amazed the person writing that article doesn't know any of that stuff. Well, that would require them to. Be who is it? Who wrote this thing? Who wrote this nonsense? Thinking, I uh, don't have the answer to that question. Certain ways when I print it, I don't get the. That's author, cool. So I apologize. Uh, so in terms of emissions, the um, New New York's overall emissions. Uh, stood at 177 tons last year. 177 million tons. Million tons. Uh, it was 170 in 2019. It shrunk to 143. While people were dying. While people were sitting in their homes and not doing anything. Yeah. And now it's exceeded. But now that people are living levels. again, stuff's yes. happening. Ah, so. it's unfortunate. Maybe so she should New go. New York is just failing. It's failing. It's going over the falls in a barrel. It's nice. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. Okay. And then lastly, another Bloomberg uh, article. This is from Andrew Oxford. Companies, this is California now. Uh, is your company carbon neutral? California wants the receipts. Oh, boy. Companies claiming to be carbon neutral will need to back up their claims by publishing details of their environmental policies online. Under a new California law. That's actually similar to what the Europeans are making everybody do. Yes. The measure is first of its kind in the U.S. to bring additional transparency to a carbon offset market. Critics say is a wash in projects of questionable environmental value. Like, like Bill Gates. Like Bill Gates. Like Bill Gates. Planting <laughs> <laughs> yeah. trees. Critics like Bill Gates. So. Who said that planting a trillion trees was a colossal waste of time and nonsense. Uh, let's see. Opponents in industry contend the compliance process is too burdensome and onerous with a potential fine of up to $500,000 for violating the new law. The measure could dampen support for offset markets. <laughs> That's the real problem with it. No Particularly doubt. Particularly those using emerging technologies, critics say. It's just we don't want this oversight. Just move out of California. I don't so, need. Why is anybody in California still? I don't understand why you're still there. 
I don't know. So that's everything I have. What do you guys do? I got two things. What are you doing with your grandkids for Halloween? Well, I got. I actually got two legitimate things. Oh, okay. okay. One is on Friday, last Friday, the Navigator's Pipeline was canceled. You guys don't care about that because it was supposed to carry CO2 across three is or four the states. the Iowa thing? Yes. Yeah. Here's the bottom line. If Navigators couldn't get done, nobody can get done. Um as a friend of mine pointed out, the net present value of that line is probably like $20 billion. So they had a lot of a lot of incentive to try to make it happen, and they couldn't see a path forward. What are you saying? Are you saying that all of this transition stuff is stalling? It's not moving forward? No, I'm not smart enough to know about that. What's... All I know for sure about this carbon capture sequestration stuff is pipelines can't get permitted and the EPA refuses to permit any sequestration projects. And they refuse to give states primacy. They got about, that's right. They got about six, seven dozen in front of them right now. So navigators, um, canary in the coal mine, right? Everybody's off worrying about hydrogen. You should worry about that. Um, that's one. And then two, more interestingly, Chevron and Hass are going to merge, right? $53 billion. This follows off the uh, announcement of Exxon and PDX. Yeah. 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 Um, Obviously, the majors are voting here on the energy transition, and they're voting that it's going to take a lot longer. They are voting the same way the Chinese are voting. Yeah, it's aspirational. We're just not going to have an end date on it. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, it's a reflection of the tight money supply now, right, too, because they've got the resources. Yeah, it's some of that. But what it really is is you don't buy Hess. You don't buy PDX unless you're like – yeah, we're going to be drilling for oil for a long time, like at least 30 more years. So, Well, I mean, it's going to be more than 30 years. Of course it's going to be more than 30 years. Like I said, they've taken the Chinese option. Absolutely we're going to do net zero. We're just yeah, not just going to have a at some date. Point. We're not going to have a date right. for it. Absolutely I'm going to quit smoking. Just not today nor tomorrow nor any day. It's like every morning I get up and I say, I'm going to start tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. <laughs> that's like the new, that's the transition. That's good. Um, uh, all right. For, uh, for Halloween, the, the, for Halloween, the daughter-in-law and the um, granddaughters are going as Taylor Swift and or, oh, and or adjuncts. Bad. Trust me. I, I am sick. Yeah. Sick. I, I just like, I can't even think about it. It's making yeah, me ill. We're not going to beat last year. We were like the insurance characters last year. But this year, we're sort of breaking it up. Some of us are Smurfs. Okay. And That's I, fine. I drew the short straw, and I'm I'm actually Smurfette. I'll give my – that is – I'm going with the whole yeah, thing. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah, um, so. My son actually finally um, – I, I want to I commend my son for um, – for capturing enough of his manhood and refusing to play along with this Taylor Swift thing. He's like, I'm going to be a roadie. I'm going to sit here and hand out candy in my jeans and T-shirt. So That's smart. Yeah. Well, like I said, I give him full credit for like looking at his wife yeah. and saying, honey, I'm not playing that stupid game. Very well done. Good for him. Okay. And then lastly and not least, the producer <laughs> and his dad reunited once again for a Lions game in Baltimore. Producer, any thoughts? How to go? Comments? How to go? How, how, how was go? your day with, with with the old pops? So we sat down and we figured out the last time we went to a Lions game together was September twenty second, two thousand two. Wow. Joey Harrington was a rookie, and it was the first game at Ford Field, so there was some optimism. 
and uh, we uh, took the train up to Baltimore this Saturday, and it was twenty eight nothing at halftime. Oh, did you go to the bar? Yeah, at halftime. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a I've got a great picture of the bar at halftime. It's all Lions fans just slumped over in their oh, chairs. Well, it's it's yeah. still you still got it's one game. It's but, one game, and the Bills lost this week too. So to the yeah. to the Patriots, for God's sake. We've got so, Las Vegas on Monday Night Football next week. So well, that'll be we'll fun. We'll keep at it. Keep at it. I want to remind everybody the Giants won. And USC lost. So you had kind of yeah, a tough weekend. Yeah, we already talked about that. But, I mean, they lost against Utah, too, because it wasn't bad. It wasn't enough they looked terrible at South Bend. They wanted to go to Utah yeah. and look terrible, too. All right. Well, someone who doesn't look terrible, in fact, he's looking better every day. Yes. Is Justin Trudeau's chief rival. Yeah, for Prime Minister Pierre Dupont. Pierre Bolivar. Pete Dupont. And Pierre is he's actually it's this was a really fun clip. It was. It is. Here's the close for the, for this week, guys. Um on the on the topic, I mean in terms of your sort of strategy currently, you're obviously taking the populist uh, pathway. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, ap- appealing appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels, I would guess. Um, I mean, what certainly, you mean certainly, you, certainly you tap certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? Uh, left wing, you know, this and that, right wing, you know, I mean, it's that, that type I'm of ideological thing. About, I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I of don't pe- really believe in that. Okay. A lot of people would, would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump. Uh, well, like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but... Like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but... Well, you're uh, the one who asked the question, so yeah. how, you must know somebody. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sure there's some out there, but anyways, the, the, point of this, the point of this question is, I mean, why should, why should Canadians trust you with their vote, given, you know... Not not just the sort of ideological inclination in terms of taking the page of Donald Trump's book, but what are you also talking about? What page? What page? Can you give okay. me a page? Give me the page. You keep <laughs> in, saying in terms, that. in terms of ter- turning things quite dramatically in terms of of Trudeau and and the left wing and all of this. I mean, you you, you make quite a you know it's it's quite a play that you make on it. So I'm, I'm not sure. I don't under, I don't know what your question okay. is. Okay, then forget that. Why should Canadians trust you with their vote? Common sense. What is it? I love he's just chopping on an apple. What does that mean? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Who who are these people? What do you What are you talking about? He's, just, he's got this this reporter just twisted up. It was I love well, it's the keep, clip's longer. It's like two minutes long, but you got a flavor flag, folks. So go Pierre. Name's, Beat Pierre's name's, son. Name's Pete. Beat Pierre's son <laughs> in the next election. We we need we, we need to get rid of all the tyrants out there in the world. Uh, all right, that's 154 in the books, and we gotta go. It's getting hot in here, and I'm not gonna take off all my clothes. God. <laughs> I, thank you, and <laughs> namaste. <laughs>